All right, we're going to look at Romans chapter 13, and what we find with this chapter is something fascinating concerning governing authorities. And what we need to understand is that all authority, as you'll see tonight, comes from God, and that we're to live under kingdom authority. Though we live in different countries, different nations, different cities that have ruling authorities over us, at your job you have a governing authority over you, in your home you have a governing authority over you, Uh, on the streets you have a governing authority, we need to learn how to live under authority, amen? And that's what chapter 13 is about. But what we recognize is living under that authority is most of all knowing that under that authority is the rule of God himself. So that's our frame of reference. So let me take you there to Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So he's saying, let every person, who does that include? All right, you folks are geniuses. So let every person be subject to the governing authorities. That word subject is to be in submission. It is a voluntary submission, all right? And, and so uh, we are in a voluntary submission, um, and, and that's important. In some countries, you're not voluntarily under the submission of the law, you are forced to be under it. But you could rebel if you want to. You just may not live that long. You know, it's your choice. But um, we're used to an American Western democratic mindset. And, and the Bible wasn't written under that thought. So you've got to interpret Scripture uh, in a bigger picture than Western theology, okay? So we've got to understand where Paul's coming from. As a matter of fact, he is under the rule of authority. He was a Roman citizen, though he's Jewish. He was born uh, Roman, so he's under Roman authority, and he used that authority on many occasions to get himself out of jail free, if I could put it that way. And so uh, he understood the powers of political use. He was savvy to that. He would many times know how to speak to those who were Pharisees and Sadducees under the law of God. He also knew how to speak under the authorities of those who were in Rome when they were ready to beat him. And he said, I I think you might want to reconsider beating a Roman citizen. And that freaked them out. They said, ooh, you're ready to go free. So he understood the dynamics of that. Let's us understand it as well. So let every person be subject, submissive, to the ruling authorities, the ruling party over you, and everybody has some authority over them. In fact, uh, your first initial authority that you have over you is mom and dad, parents. And you may not like mom and dad. It may have been a bad situation in your life, but uh, the sooner you understand how to respect authority, the sooner you're going to be able to navigate through life better. And in fact, it was the first promise, it's the the fifth commandment, to honor your mother and father and you shall have long life. The reason you shall have long life is because if you don't honor your mother and father, you'll be stoned to death. There's your promise for life. So you're to honor, but the reason for that is Jesus is trying to teach us how to live under authority, which is key, which is huge, because the entire system of the kingdom of God is ruled by a king. He wasn't voted in, 
okay? He is the king, and what he says goes. And the magistrates and the authorities uh, uh, in the spirit realm, even Satan understands the power of authority. That's why he is the rebellion. He is the one who's trying to get you to come out from under the authority of God and be rebellious because he knows the consequences of that. Many of you have got to consider if there's aspects of your life that are in rebellion to the word of God, you're going to pay a consequence for that. Oh, you may be saved and all that, but you're going to be reaping problems if you're not walking under the rule and the authority of the word of God and Jesus Christ as your king. So I'm trying to get an understanding that this is bigger than just uh, governments. This is the authority structure of life, starting with your parents, then wherever you work for employment, in whatever city you live in, whatever country you're under, and whatever rule of authority. In China, it's an emperor. In Russia, it's a czar. In, in South Africa, it's a tribal, it, it could be a tribal leader. It could be anything in all these different dynamics. But what are they? Authority structures. Okay? So that's what he's saying. And if you would learn to submit to the authority structures, you'll understand that all authority comes from God. And it says that those that exist have been instituted by God. Let me give you a breakdown of it. Let me help you understand that a little better. Uh, how about in nature? Is there, are there laws of nature? Are there authority structures? Are there governing laws in nature itself? I mean, you may not want to get along with uh, who your boss is or, or, or your governor, but face it, you have to submit to authority. There is a governing law in nature called gravity. Now, you can oppose it, but if you take the risk to oppose gravity, you're going to get hurt. Now, there are people who oppose gravity, right? We fly in airplanes. People jump out of airplanes. Right? People oppose gravity all the time, but what risk rises every time you're coming against those laws? Does this make sense to you? So there, you know, we need to be subject to these laws. There's the law of physics. For every motion, action, there's an opposite and equal reaction, right? The law of physics in life. If you're driving a car at 50 miles an hour and you run into a brick wall because you feel like it, <laughs> you're going to feel it, right? <clears throat> so there are governing structures. There's a law of oxygen. Living things need to have oxygen. Now, you might, again, rebel against that. Hold your breath. Go ahead. There are governing authorities. You might think I'm making light, but I'm not. The laws of nature are huge, and in the governing laws of nature, God established them so that there would be what? Order. God is a God of order. He establishes orbits. He establishes night and day. He establishes seasons. He establishes times, and he establishes boundaries, Acts chapter 17 says, that he even established the boundaries of nations, and he establishes all these things so that there may be order, and if we would obey the order of God, we could live peaceably. But there was a rebellion that started early on against the order of God, and it started with Satan. So what Paul is trying to say is that if you want to operate in kingdom, you need to learn to be submissive to those who are in authority and the powers 
that be. Now, um, I've been reading different commentaries and different people on this of what Paul's saying, and, and they're saying, well, Paul can't be talking about just all governing authorities and all powers. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. That can't be from all governments. I mean, God didn't institute Hitler. God didn't institute all these things. The point being is he's not talking about who is in the office, whether it's Caesar, Nero, whether it's Domitian, Diocletian. At these times, Nero was the guy in charge here. But it's, Paul's not talking about whether you like the person in office or not as to whether you submit. It's learning to obey authorities, whether he's a scoundrel or whether he's righteous. It's the governing authorities over it that you need to learn to follow because if you rebel, you're creating rebellion and uh, we'll get into that a little further. But me- so some have said, well, he's only talking about those who follow the, the law of God. I can't buy that because uh, let me read to you what Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Would that include righteous and unrighteous institutions? Yes. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governor as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good, to give honor and respect to those who are due. And this is exactly what Paul's saying in Romans 13. So we give respect to the office, we give respect to the levels of authority that are over our lives. You may not like your boss, but you as a Christian should pray for that boss and you should honor the position that boss has over you. And it will go well for you if you do, Hebrews 13 says, if you honor those who are in authority over you. So this is all about respecting authority. And I will tell you that if you honor authority, if you respect authority and give honor to it, no matter whether you like them or not, but honor that position, you, in fact, will be elevated and you will be in a right place and enjoy good things in life. Unless there's a real despot there. We'll deal with that in a minute. Let me read this to you. So... What he's saying, let every person be subject, submissive to the governing or ruling powers, governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. All right? Those that exist, those governing authorities, those levels of authority and power over government, over nature, over societies, over countries have been instituted by God. God has set a rule of order and a chain of command by which order should be in a society. Now, we've had good rulers, we've had bad ones. Israel had a number of good judges, a number of bad judges, a number of good kings, and many more bad kings. But God established kings. Okay? So we accept what was instituted by God because authority has been instituted by God so that we would have peace. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. What did God appoint? 
authorities, powers. It's not meaning specifically that person. Okay? Because there might be a person who just by tyranny overtakes a position. But if you resist that position and try to overthrow it, we're going to have anarchy and uh, tyranny. So, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Now, that's the principle. The principle is that authorities and governing ruling parties are supposed to be keeping law and order for the sake of all society. Now, if they don't, we've got another situation. We'll talk about that in a minute. But this is what they're supposed to be doing. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. That's the authority of life and death. He carries that so that we can keep law and order. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience, your own personal conscience. For the same reason you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. We should know the difference. Let me tell you again, in principle, if you do not owe or give honor to those who are in authority over you, if you continue to rebel, you're going to have a life of rebellion. Because at some point, you want to have honor unto you. You want to have authority over what was given to you. If you don't know how to keep authority over those over you, then you're not going to do well in keeping authority over those under you. Usually a rebellious person to authorities doesn't have a very well-run home. Those under them will escape their leadership. So the key here is to understand that authority is set in place to keep peace and order and prosperity in your life. So if you can't honor your mother and father to begin with you get rebellious what happens to you then they usually get in trouble at school because they don't uh, respect the authority of the teacher in authority over them so they get sent to the office higher authority so they go to the office and the principal's tired of this guy he's been in here 10 times this week but that person won't respect authority so he won't listen to the principal either so he gets kicked out of school so now he's got to go to a different school with different authority and and he can't find his way around and then he ends up getting in trouble or she gets in trouble and then another level of authority will come in your life called the police and they will arrest you or they'll take you to court and you have to go to another level where a judge will sit over you and make a decision as to what you're going to do whether you're going to respect authority or not and you get in trouble and then you have to go to jail or you get on parole or you have to pay a fine until you finally decide whether you're going to submit or not and if you don't and you can't find yourself a place to live and you can't get a job because you can't submit to your boss because you don't want to work for anybody else so what do you do you end up joining the army (laughs) where they're going to teach you one thing am i right 
who usually ends up in the army? Those who can't submit to authority. And the one thing the army's going to teach you how to do, submit to authority. And it's the one thing usually that straightens people out. But you could have learned that a long time ago if you would have respected mom and dad. Am I telling anybody's story here tonight? (laughs) And if you still haven't learned to, to be subjective to authority and understand the structures of life for order and peace, you're going to have a hard road. And so these are the things, this is the principle, the principle of authority. Now, what if these authorities are not godly? What do I do with that? Well, we understand in Scripture the very big principle, remember that all power structures and all power authorities come from God. So if these power structures and authorities in your life are opposing the rule of God, then as Peter and John said, we shall obey God rather than man. Right? Let me give you some examples. I have a picture here of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar made an idol of himself, and he commanded that when the music would play, uh, everybody in the kingdom of Babylon was to bow to that idol. And guess who wouldn't bow? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Because as Hebrews, they would not bow to any other god but Yahweh. Now here's the thing. They understood. Here's the key between understanding authority and power and resisting it if it's wrong, but still... uh, understanding the authority that's there they're willing to take the consequences see there's a big difference between anarchy and rebellion anyone in the kingdom is not to be rebellious rebellion is as what witchcraft rebellion is a work of usurping authority and any usurping of authority is a rebellion and it is a work of witchcraft And so anarchy is something of the devil. The devil wants anarchy, which means, uh, anarchy means tearing down all ruling and governing power. And what happens when you have anarchy? We have murder and death. Let's just take a look at, and we'll get into this in just a little bit, the difference between the American Revolution and the French Revolution. The American Revolution was based on Uh, a a, um, civil disobedience against a power and an authority, but yet still respecting authority and law. The French Revolution was not. It was anarchy, and it was a bloodbath. The American Revolution appealed to Scripture and the laws of nature and nature's God, which has everything to do with order and civility where the French Revolution, again, was pure anarchy and rebellion. And what you will get with that is demonic. You'll just get death and a bloodbath. So when we are in disagreement with the powers that be, we can do that and we can act on it, but still respecting the power and the law of it, we will subject ourselves to the consequences. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego 
could not in good conscience and under their authority to God bow to someone else. They refused, but they understood that would be their death. Okay? Do you get what I'm saying? They still respected the law and the authority that was there, though they would not bow. And in fact, Nebuchadnezzar said, man, because of this, you know, I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And they said, go ahead. And they said, whether our God does or does not save us. Okay? They didn't know. Which clearly indicates they knew they could die because of this. But they would honor God and be willing to die and in, 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 in um, justifying themselves as opposing this law to make them bow down to an idol which they refuse, they're willing to take the consequences. That's different than anarchy and rebellion. Do you see the difference? Is because they're willing to take the consequences. Same with Peter and John. They were thrown in jail. They were commanded, you cannot name the name of Jesus anymore. And what's the first thing they did when they went out? Started preaching the name of Jesus. But what did they understand could be their fate? You can kill me. You see, the Bible never indicates, now this is rough, the Bible never indicates rebellion and turning things over. The Bible always talks about changing everything by goodness and love. That's what's going to change and alter the world. This is radical. That's why people get really upset when they read in the Bible and, in, in, and it says, it, it, uh, those of you who are slaves, obey your masters and treat them well. And those of you that are slave owners, you now consider your slaves brothers and sisters. And in and, and the 21st century, we're reading how bad slavery was. It's like, why doesn't the Bible say, you slaves revolt and run from your masters or kill them? Because it's wrong. Because the Bible never tells you to rebel against authority, but to win over authority by kingdom principles. And it was Christianity that turned over. It was the book of Philemon that now tells the slave owner, the slave is your brother. Treat him like a brother. You see, Christianity changed. The entire world was under the power of slavery. It was their workforce. It's how they instituted this, how they ran things. But if the Bible would have said all slaves revolt, this thing would have been squashed, all slaves would have been killed, and there would have just been all this rebellion and anarchy. But slavery was shown to be so unjust and so wrong because of Christianity now showing the respect between brothers and sisters that transcended their political and financial situation. I hope you're getting this. And it is Christianity that won over the situation concerning slavery and has abolished it, although we have more slavery today than we have in the history of the world, other forms of slavery, but it's Christianity that speaks about equality and respect for all living beings. That's Jesus' teachings that did that. While keeping the authority structure in place. Does this make sense to you? So it's transformation, not rebellion. I hope you're getting this. Somebody shake their head as if you're getting it. Okay, thank you. Let me give you more examples. So, so uh, we have Mordecai, who when Haman came through, uh, Mordecai did not bow. Remember the story of Esther? And, and he would not bow. 
But again, it's because he will not bow to another authority, but he was willing to take the, the, the heat from that and the flack from that. That's still respecting the authority. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow, understood that we could die, went into the fiery furnace. God saved them. And the king changed the order of bowing to the thing because he said, I want to serve their God. So their act of disobedience, civil disobedience, changed the law, but yet they didn't tear down and bring anarchy and revolt. Does this make sense? Okay. Same with Peter and Andrew. Let me give you some pointers in history. Uh, Gandhi understood the power of this. So did Martin Luther King. So did, there's many people we could list, but these are the famous ones. So did Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor, a Lutheran pastor in Germany during the time of Hitler. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer understood what Hitler was doing, and he was part of a group that was actively trying to assassinate Hitler. And he had to contend with the moral issue of this. He wasn't inciting rebellion for all to rebel, but he was trying to save the lives of those who were being murdered. But here's the thing with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer understood that if he was going to do this, he therefore would be put to death as well for taking another man's life. He respected the rule of order, but because of the, the, what Hitler was doing, he was willing to give his life to transform the government powers. He was found out, he was arrested, and literally the day before uh, uh, they sur Germany surrendered, he was put to death. Martin Luther King understood that civil disobedience was the way to go, was to, to protest that America, who said all people are created equal, was not living up to their sacred documents that they started with, and were not fulfilling that uh, with African Americans, and so he was in civil disobedience, breaking the laws of the land, but yet willing to go to jail, and, and eventually even willing to give his life for that, still respecting law. If you listen and understand what Martin Luther's doing, he's upholding the power structures and authorities because they're from God, but yet through civil disobedience, he's willing to, to break into that, this other message, though he's willing to take the course of law on himself. And that's what Paul is talking about. So we've got to be careful as Christians um, I've been arrested twice in my life and, and sent to jail twice in my life. And the, and the reasons for that is it was both in China. Uh, the Chinese government does not allow scriptures, the Bible, to be brought into China and given to the Chinese or to minister Christianity. And so the first time I was arrested, I fully understood that I was breaking Chinese law. But I believe that that law is a hindrance to God's law, which is bringing salvation to these souls who will go to hell if they will not receive the gospel. And so I was willing to be arrested and whatever the course of action would take so that I could do what I believe was greater, and that is bring this gospel to souls that need it. 
And so we went into northwestern China. Um, I did not submit my passport to where we were staying. We went in, stealth, uh, in, at night. We went to a place and hid. Uh, unfortunately, after a few days, we were found out. We were arrested. We were put under house arrest. And I didn't know what my fate was going to be because I was not registered anywhere. They could have taken me out and no one would have known it. But the point being, I was willing to do that and I wasn't causing Chinese people to rebel against their emperor. What I was trying to do was get them to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I believe China is going to change its laws and authority structures because the Chinese church is growing so much it is going to transform that nation. So I hope you understand that there's a difference between anarchy and rebellion and civil disobedience to where we will work against the authorities and powers without destroying the authorities and power structures in place. That's what is key. Let me give you one more example if I can. That is the Declaration of Independence. Many people say, well, the United States started out in rebellion and so forth. The founders were um, uh, Christians and deists and, and so forth, mostly influenced by Christianity and um, John Locke and his writings. And what happened is the Declaration of Independence is an amazing document because <clears throat> they were rebelling. Well, what they were doing is civil disobedience, which eventually became war against England. But let me help you understand why and how they did that, especially based on Romans 13. This is what the Declaration of Independence says. <clears throat> A unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. What does all this mean? What it means is this. When a group of people can no longer be in affiliation to the governing authorities over them, because those governing authorities are wrong, we then must appeal to a higher order, the laws of nature and nature's God. So they're doing exactly what the Bible talks about, is that when there's an oppressive govern, government or issue, we will follow God, not men. But they say this, we are therefore responsible in respect to the opinions of mankind, they're putting this out to all the nations of the earth. And they're saying to all the other nations of the earth at that time, with respect to the opinions of mankind, it requires that we should declare the causes which impel us to the separation. This wasn't just anarchy and rebellion. This was a declaration of intent. These are the reasons why we can no longer be under the governing authority of the King of England. And we're appealing to all the governments and nations of the world as to our reasons why. 
and it is based on the laws of nature and nature's God as to what we're appealing to. And they go on. And, and I mean, that is civil disobedience. That is breaking allegiance of what they felt was a dictatorship and wrong authorities, but doing it in a manner that they were willing to take the results. What were those results? Having to go to war. And by doing that, they kept in place the structures and powers of authority. They weren't looking to simply destroy authority and move into freedom. You cannot have freedom. People get this. You cannot have freedom without positions of authority and structure. You cannot. And so people who think, man, man, I just want to be free. I don't want anybody over me. I don't want anybody to rule over me. You will always have rule and authority over you. It's the only way to have freedom is to have structures of authority in your life. Because if you won't, you will always be looking around your back at the next thing that's going to come and take you out. All right, I hope you're getting this. Now, <clears throat> that is what kingdom authority is about. So let me help you understand my position as a pastor here in the United States and with our governing rules and our parties. A couple of weeks ago, we had a discussion, and, and, I, and I try to keep it not being political be, between Democrat and Republican and parties and this and that, and I want you to understand why. How many of you have ever watched football or soccer or basketball? Anybody watch sports? You ever seen sports? There are these things with teams. <laughs> I want to use an analogy that uh, Dr. Tony Evans uses. And it's this, that at any sports arena at any time, there are three teams on the field, right? There are the opposing teams, and then there's a third team on the field. The third team is the referees. The referees are the governing authority over these two things that are fighting on the field to win. Their allegiance is not to this side or to that side. Their allegiance is to the rule of law that governs the game. This is where we should be as kingdom people. Now as private citizens, you have the right to Go with what side you feel most uh, accurately follows after Scripture. You go ahead. As a pastor of a church, it is my position to stay in the place of a referee. I'm not going to use this pulpit or this position to take sides with U of M or MSU. I'm going to take the side of the kingdom. And we need to decide in the activities of American politics, what does the kingdom say? Because if you get attached to one side or another, whether you're Republican or Democrat, you get involved, go ahead, do, do that. But if at some time you find yourself missing what the referee's calling as a foul, we've got a problem. So I just want you to understand my positioning as a pastor and in governmental authority, it's always the rule book that we have to do. As when I'm ministering to couples who have a problem, what I've found most first couple times I counsel with couples is the, <laughs> they're trying to win me to their side. 
I spent an entire hour listening to them trying to get me to side with one of them. I'm not here to side with one of you. I'm here to declare the Word of God. It's like Joshua, when he was going into um, Ai after Jericho, and they lost the battle because someone in the camp had taken the things of God, and Joshua's praying and praying, and the angel of the Lord appears. And Joshua says to the angel of the Lord, are you on our side or on their side? You for us or against us? And I love the, 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 the answer of the angel of the Lord. Neither. I'm not on your side or not on their side. The question is, whose side are you on? I'm on his side. So that's where we want to stand. Now, let's continue on with kingdom authority, all right? This isn't a break in his discussion. This is a continuance on how to deal with authority. He goes on and he says, uh, uh, basically what he's been saying in the first half is render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, render to God the things that are God's. Who said that anyway? Jesus said that, didn't he? Remember? The big trick question was, should we pay taxes or not? We read Paul. Paul says, if you owe taxes, pay taxes. Give honor to where honors do. Render to Caesar. So you live in a land where there is a government. You should be paying the taxes to that government. You should be honoring the laws of that government. And you should be praying for those in authority. This is repeated by Peter. It's repeated by Paul. We are all to be praying for those in authority. Second Timothy tells us to do that. Whether you like the person or not, that's not the issue. The issue is governing authority and ruling and power. Okay? And so as we're praying for them uh, and caring for them, we're rendering unto Caesar what is Caesar's, rendering unto God what is God's. And by doing this, we are always paying attention to what is God's, what is Caesar's. But even that which belongs to Caesar, guess what? It belongs to God. Now let's go on. And he goes, there's no, you know, your Bible has a little heading here. There's no break in the concepts. And he goes on and he says this. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. So first we start off with a discussion of ruling authority over your lives, how to submit to it, how to honor it, whether it's secular, whether it's sacred, whether whatever. Just learn authority structure and owe that authority structure uh, respect and submission. But, he says this, overall, owe no man anything save love. That's King James. Except for love. So we're not to owe anybody anything. Well, that should be written on our credit cards. (laughs) But we are to owe everyone what? Love. Why? He loved us first. This is what radically, radically changed the world. This is what changed history. From a barbaric, ruthless world into a transforming world of love. 
Where do you think the people nowadays get this concept of, oh, you know, we need to love and we need to respect everybody and we should, where are they getting these ideas? Where have they ever gotten the idea that we sh- everybody should have uh, equal care and respect and that we should love all people and we shouldn't judge one another and we should honor and, and give uh, finance and, and, and no matter what their issue is, just love everybody? Where is that concept coming from? It's Christianity. Where is it coming from that we are all equal under one creator, right? All men with inalienable rights should be treated equal. Where is this concept coming from? Christianity. Before that, these concepts did not exist. And so we're owing all people love. Now, I don't agree with people all the time, and I don't have to agree with you, but I can love you. I can honor by praying for you and respect you because you're made in the image of God. So we're to owe all people love and respect. That's huge, though we don't have to get an agreement with them. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. That's radical, isn't it? This isn't a mushy love that just lets anybody do whatever they want. This is a love that has an accountability of what is right one to another and what is best in society. So we have to learn to govern by love and care. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. That's the return of Jesus. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness or in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and not in jealousy. Why would he list those things? Why would he say not to do those things? Because they were doing those things. Everybody seems to forget that. Without Christ, without Jesus transforming our lives, people are just self-indulgent, sensual, and just wanting to feed the flesh. Christianity changed that by an indwelling spirit of God's own holiness. That changes the whole playing field. Christianity is absolutely, completely different. Even Judaism had a faith in God, but they didn't have a righteousness as Christianity does because they didn't have an indwelling spirit. That's why the history of Israel over and over and over and over is full of sensuality and sexual immorality and orgies and drunkenness and quarreling and jealousy. Christianity is absolutely the most radical thing that ever hit this planet because God, by the blood of Jesus Christ, bought us, washed us, and put his holiness and nature in us so that we are completely different than any other human beings on the planet. And that's what should be showing up daily. That's why we are not leading any anarchy or rebellion, but by the power of love we are transforming our nation and this planet into citizens of the kingdom of God. That's God's plan. And so I close with this. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, making no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires.
Amen. That is kingdom authority. And that kingdom authority is what's going to transform this world. I still have hope for the United States of America. The United States has never fulfilled its potential in its documents that were based on Scripture. Many of us say, oh, let's go back to the good old days. Remember the good old days when, when, when people believed in the Bible. I'm sorry for uh, many people in this nation, the good old days were not good. So what I'm praying for is that potentially because of the mess we're in now, we will learn from this and maybe draw closer to the biblical precepts that were founded in this nation. And maybe we could reach it and get a little closer as the pendulum's always swinging back and forth, too far, too far, that maybe we could come to a balance. But the one thing that's going to bring this nation back is revival. And revival has been the one thing historically in the United States that has kept this nation on on a path towards its full potential of honoring God. That's up to the Christians and nobody else. No president, no governor, no elected official is going to bring the righteousness of God to this nation. It is the church of Jesus Christ that is the one that is going to sow that seed into this nation. And if we, brothers and sisters, cannot come under the ruling authority of the kingdom, we'll never bring it to the secular world. So let's grow in our understanding of governing authority. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank You for the ministry of Your Holy Spirit. Teach us, O God, to walk under kingdom authority, to learn and grow under under the Spirit's governing of our lives. And may we submit ourselves to the authority of God's Word in our household, and in our own mind and thinking and daily activities. And I would pray right now for each of us that, God, we would examine ourselves and consider where there is treason or rebellion in our own hearts to the Word of God. These are the things that are stopping the flow of the authority of Christ in our lives. Anything that is in contrary to the Word of God is causing rebellion and the authority of God in our house, in our marriage, with our children, at work, and in our own hearts. May we submit to the ruling authority of God first and let it make its way through our entire being. And if you would agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.